your seats. Second Timothy chapter two, continuing our study here through the book of Second Timothy. Let's pray and we'll go ahead and get started. Heavenly Father, good to be here this morning, thankful for just the sun shining and just a beautiful fall morning. Just pray that we would learn and grow in you. And Lord, not just learn in our, in our minds, but to really take this, apply this to our lives, and go out and be a light and a witness in all we do and say. Help us to never be content with just sitting, but Lord, to go out and go, to go make a difference through your spirit, through your leading. We say thank you in your name. Amen. Now, when I was preparing this message... The goal was to do all of 2 Timothy 2 because it just flows together so nicely and there's so many great points. But there's too many good points. We had to kind of slow it down a little bit. So what we're going to talk about this morning is ministry. Now, if you've heard me talk about this before, the word minister means to serve. We're all ministers. Somehow this word minister has come to mean people only serving as a pastor. And that's not really the biblical definition. We're all called to minister. We're all called to serve. So you guys are all in the ministry. Now, what's it like to be in the ministry? Well, that's what we're going to talk about here this morning. And Paul gives three examples. If you're a note taker, right there in your bulletin, you can write down these three points. He talks about soldiers, he talks about athletics, and he talks about farming. Soldiers, athletics, and farming. And he gives examples of each one on what it's like to be in the ministry concerning that. But let's talk about this concept of being in the ministry. What does it mean to serve? What does it mean to truly get out there and say, Lord, I am yours. How can I serve you? Throughout the years, I've always kind of wrote down little comments I've heard people say about ministry. And there's some good ones here that over the years I've learned. First one, ministry is not for the faint-hearted. Ministry is not for the thin-skinned. Ministry is messy. Get prepared to get your hands dirty. I like some of these over, too. This is from a pastor's conference I attended a while ago. I'm a spiritual janitor. I clean and fix things. Ministry. In ministry, you can't get tired of cleaning up the same mess again and again. Now, the pastor that taught this message used to be a janitor at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. And for lack of a better word, he kind of worked his way up to being a pastor. And so he was giving these actual practical examples of how many times as a janitor... At the school, you clean up the same mess again and again and again. And your mind can wander to what those messes could be. You clean up the same thing. Same thing happens in ministry. You kind of start cleaning up the same messes again and again and again. It's tough sometimes. It's not for the faint-hearted. It's not for the thin-skinned. We have to be prepared to get our hands dirty. And this shouldn't be a shock to us. Once again, I don't know where this happened, but somehow we started presenting Christianity as this. You get saved in Jesus, and all of a sudden it's sunshine and and clouds and beautiful rainbows and bluebirds singing on your shoulders or something like that. That's true that there's this beautiful picture of grace and mercy and love and to be forgiven. But also think of the words of Jesus. We've made it very clear that 2 Timothy is a tough book. This is a book written from a man in prison, in a dungeon, awaiting his execution. We're also going through Job on Wednesday nights. A very tough book. So we've mentioned these verses before. Think of what Jesus said. Jesus said in John 16, you will have tribulation. In this world, you will have tribulation. He said in Matthew 7, the road is narrow. The road is difficult. Paul writes here in a couple chapters in 2 Timothy 3, all who desire to live a godly life will suffer persecution. It's tough. Paul, writing to Timothy, or speaking about the soldier in verse 3, you therefore must endure hardship. You must. 
Ministry is difficult. But at the same time, too, it's a blessing. When you see that person get it, you see that person that you've been discipling for a long time, all of a sudden it just clicks. You're sharing Christ with somebody and you see their eyes light up. It's like they get it. They're thinking about eternity. Or that person that never was interested in the Lord at all, all of a sudden it's calling you saying, hey, I got this Bible question. It's like, oh man, wow. What a blessing that is. So let's go in and talk about these examples here and then we'll break them down. Verse 1 of chapter 2. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardships as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say. And may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Once again, these three examples, soldier, athletics, and farming. Let's talk about the first one. Soldier. Obviously, carrying this concept of fighting, this concept of warfare, this Christian walk that we're in is a battle. It is a battle. You know, when you think about this, if you claim to be a Christian, and here you are walking in this world, you automatically, automatically are disagreeing with the vast majority of people on a lot of moral issues. We're the minority when it comes to a lot of moral issues in the world today. And it's a battle. So the Bible makes it clear that as a soldier, what are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be getting girded up. Now, girding up is a word we don't use too often now. But back during Bible times, the word girded up meant this. They wore these long, flowing robes. And when they got ready to work, they'd pick their robes up, tuck them in their belts, and they would get ready to work. We would maybe use the term today, roll up our sleeves or something like that. It's a battle. Are we ready for this fight? Can you go with me to Ephesians 6, please? Ephesians 6. God makes to want to make it very clear that this battle that we're in, that we're prepared for and that we're ready for. And so therefore, he's given us this armor to wear as we go through it. You never know when the battle will be. Never. The Bible says to be prepared in season and out of season because you never know what the day will consist of. Earlier this week, I had a dentist appointment. So I was going to the dentist, just a regular checkup, the regular cleaning. I'm just sitting in the chair. Hygienist is doing her thing, and she's got the TV on and had on um, The Price is Right. I don't get to watch The Price is Right that much, so I'm just sitting back enjoying The Price is Right. And it was in the middle of Plinko. Who doesn't like Plinko, right? So in the middle of Plinko, Price is Right, this is what's going on. All of a sudden, the hygienist stops, and she looks at me, and she goes, uh, you're a pastor, right? And I said, yeah. And she goes, so what do you think of these four blood moons? Right in the middle of the cleaning. I'm thinking Plinko. I want to see what happens with Plinko. <laughs> so right there in the middle of the cleaning, we stop. Let's talk about Bible prophecy. Let's talk about all these different passages. Talk about this stuff and just right back into it. Be prepared in season and out of season. You never know when an opportunity is going to pop up. You never know. And we need to be ready for that. And this is what this armor is for. Ephesians 6 verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against a spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly place. Verse 12 is vital. You wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Your battle is not against a person. 
See, so often we think our battles are personal. You have a co-worker, you have a friend maybe, you have a family member, you have this person that you're around and you feel like the battle is against them. Maybe they're not walking with the Lord and you feel it's this big spiritual battle between you two. No, it's not. They're not the enemy. They're just unsaved. They need to come to know Christ. You have to make sure when it comes to being a soldier of the Lord, you can't take it personally. And you can't fight personally. It's not you versus an individual. As we mentioned last week, when Paul mentioned by name this guy by the name of Alexander, he says, Alexander has caused me much harm. We don't know the details, and we said the details don't matter. Because it's not Paul versus Alexander. It's Paul representing the truth of Jesus Christ. And if you have somebody right now that it's a constant struggle with, at home, at work, or whatever, it's not you versus them. This is a spiritual battle that you're in. You need to remember that. Verse 13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded, there's our word there, your waist with truth. First piece of armor you put on is your idea of this belt of truth. Belt, right in the middle, right in the core. If you remember correctly, there's three truths in the Bible. The Holy Spirit is truth, God's Word is truth, and Jesus is truth. If you stick to those three things, you'll do fine. God's Word is truth, Jesus is truth, the Holy Spirit is truth. That means truth is everything I start with. That's why I start my work with, I gird up with truth, I'm ready to go. Next one, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate covers and protects the vital organs. Christ is my righteousness. He's the one that protects me. He watches out for me. It's through His righteousness that I have been made right. Next one, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Just like I talked about with the dentist, that idea of shod your feet. Everywhere you go is an opportunity to represent Jesus Christ and to proclaim the gospel. Everything we do, wherever we walk, we're walking in ministry. Whoever we run into, we're running into in the idea of ministry. Because I am representing the peace of the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere I go and no matter what I do. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, which will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Verse 16, why do you need the shield? Because you're a soldier. Somebody's shooting at you. Be prepared for that. And it just amazes me sometimes as believers how we're in the midst of this battle and I can't believe someone's shooting at me. Why else would God give us a shield? And it's a shield of faith. Faith in what? Faith in this. Faith in God's word. Faith in this system that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. Faith in this idea that there is a heaven, there is a hell. Faith in who the Lord is and what he has said. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. That means your mind is always focused on Christ and what he's done for you on the cross. Anytime I ever talk to someone and they're going through a tough time in life and their mind just begins to wander and it wanders towards darkness, discouragement, depression, fill in the blank. Hey, let's get our mind back on Jesus. Let's think about what he's done. Keep our mind focused on Christ, the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, verse 17. Remember, a sword is an offensive weapon, not a defensive weapon. We're supposed to be out there swinging the sword. The sword is the word of God. It's not about my opinions. It's not about your opinion. It's not what you think. It's not what I think. It's what does God's word say. That's the truth. And we need to keep doing the truth. Now jump back, if you will, to 2 Timothy. That's our armor as a soldier. But did you know it says in 2 Timothy, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 
good soldiers. There's some soldiers that aren't good. Now, I never served in the military. I love talking to those that have served in the military. I remember distinctly talking to somebody out here at church one time that he went into the military. He was going to make it a career. That was his plan. And I said, why didn't you do it? He goes, because they kept promoting stupid people, is what he told me. (laughs) Now, I'm assuming anybody that's ever served in the military, you had good soldiers, and you had soldiers in name only. Same thing happens in the body of Christ. You know, today in America, there's going to be millions of people attending church, right, all over the nation. Some of them are good soldiers. They're ready to fight. Some of them are soldiers that are just buying their time. Some of them are just soldiers in name only. It's like, don't stick me in the fight. You know what? I just want to hang low in the trench. I don't want to pop my head up because if I pop my head up, someone's going to shoot at me. I don't want to get out of the trench because if I get out of the trench, I'm going to get involved in the combat. I don't want to do that. I just want to stay right here. See, but look at verse 4. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Then he please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Can you imagine being in the military? And they're saying, hey, it's time. We're shipping you overseas. Sorry, sir, I can't. I've got to go mow my yard. Well, don't worry about it. No, i got, I got to take care of the yard. i got dishes to do. i got things here i got to take care of. No, when you sign up, you do not entangle yourself in the affairs of this life. You do what you're told, when you're told, how you're told. Same thing from a spiritual perspective. How many of us as soldiers in the army of the Lord, God says, it's time to fight. Got your armor on? We'll do, Lord, we'll do. But I, I, let me finish this up first real quick. Remember the story of Jesus when he had the three people that wanted to follow him and the ones I go first let me go bury my father. First let me say goodbye to those people at my house. First let me go see this field I bought. And there's a lot of well let me first do this. We're really not then engaged in war. We're engaged in this civilian affairs. I've learned with my boys. If I say okay guys it's time to go do something. Okay let's get up and do it. If they're playing a video game. Hey dad can I just finish this up real quick. Everybody has a different definition of real quick. My definition of real quick is probably within 30 seconds. They just started the level. It'll be 15 minutes. That's not real quick. But how many times do we do that spiritually? Lord, I want to serve you. I want to love you. I want things to be different in my life. Whatever you call me to do. Okay, let's go do this. I will get right on that, Lord, once I finish this up. Just ask yourself this. Number one, are you a soldier of Jesus Christ? Are you ready for the war? You're ready for the battle. Number two, are you a good soldier of Jesus Christ? Number three, are you engaged in civilian affairs? Those are questions that we need to ask. So why are we going through this? Why is Paul making this so clear? Jump ahead to verse 10, same chapter. He says, Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul says, I do all this for the elect, for the body of Christ, for those that God has chosen. This is why I do those things. I endure this. Now, there's this word endure is mentioned five times in chapter 2. And it's kind of interesting because it's two different Greek words. This word for endure right here in verse 10, this means to bravely, calmly make it through. I think it's an interesting word. It stresses to bravely, calmly make it through. I have endured things in my life. Some of those things I've endured, I was not brave. Some of those things I endured, I was not calm. But I got through it. See, this word is saying, no, you bravely, calmly make it through. Because even as you endure things, you're representing Jesus Christ. 
and all that we do and say. And as a believer, as a follower of Christ, I don't walk in fear, worry, or anxiety. I walk in peace. I walk in faith. And I bravely, calmly make it through because I know who my God is and I know who I serve. Is that easy to do? No, it's not. Which takes us to our next point. Athletics. Verse 5. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. First point, as a soldier, are you willing to fight? Okay, second one, now athletics. Are you willing to train? Are you willing to put the effort in when no one else sees, knows, or understands? See, that's part of training, is you're training when no one else is around. Paul loved these points of athletics. He talks in a few chapters here about how he has fought the good fight, he has finished the race, he has kept the faith. He constantly talked about this idea of just doing this and this idea of training that goes into it. Can you go with me to 1 Corinthians 9, please? 1 Corinthians 9. To truly succeed in athletics, it takes training, it takes effort. You need to put that training and effort into it to be good at it. Now, some people just have natural ability in certain things, and they can just do it. But to really be good at something, it's the training. That training when no one else sees, no one else knows what's going on. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. The training that takes to do this and to do it properly. I used to run uh, cross country when I was back in high school. And this one year that I ran, there was this one kid that just ran for one year. And boy, he had natural ability. He made it to state. Now, he didn't put time, energy, effort, or training into it. And he was good. And he just got out there and just ran. And I can remember at the time, my grandpa, my grandpa Kiefer, would come and watch the cross-country meets. And he would see the race take off. And he'd see this one guy just go, just run. And he sees me. And he pulled me aside after the race. He goes, why don't you just run with him? Okay, okay, that, that's really logical, Grandpa. But it just doesn't work that way. Well, just keep up with him. So, okay. One race, I'm just going to keep up with him. So he takes off. He's on his pace. And I said, I'm just going to keep up with him to see what happens. About a quarter mile into the race, I died. <laughs> but, now he didn't train. He just ran. I can't run like him. I have to run the race that God has set out for me. See, this is the interesting thing about races. In Hebrews 12, it makes it clear that God has a race, a course set out for you. Your race, your course is not mine, and mine is not yours. Because the problem we run into in Christianity is what we do comparative Christianity. Oh, I want my race to be like his race. God has not called you to that race. I want my course to be like his course. God has not called you to that course. If you try to run my race... You can't run effectively or efficiently. If I try to run your race, I can't run effectively or efficiently. I remember when I first got saved, and I would listen to these pastors I just looked up to so much, and, okay, this is how they prepared a message. This is how they took notes. This is how they presented it. And so I would try to do that. Yeah, you can learn some points here and there, but I can't do it like they do it. 
I have to do it the way God has called me to do it. I have to run the race that God has called for me. I don't know what your race or course is. But I know it's the perfect race or course for you. Now, you may kind of enviously look at other people's races and courses and think theirs looks easier. No. You want the race that God has designed for you. And so you train, as it says here in verse 24, you run in such a way that you may obtain it. And what do you, how do you run? Verse 26, therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. You know the course. You know what God has laid out for your life, and therefore you run that course. Can you imagine running with uncertainty? How quickly and how tired you would get? Once again, back to cross country. I can remember they would always get us together before the meets. And they would tell us, here's the course, here's how it's laid out. You've got to go around this and do that. I never paid attention. There's going to be 100 people in front of me. I don't I need to know the course. <laughs> now, this guy that was really good, he paid attention. He was going to be leading. And sometimes he didn't. And we would all run this really funky course. You don't run with uncertainty. You run the race that God has set out for you. And then in verse 26, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. You want to wear yourself out? Punch as hard as you can in the air and just keep on swinging. You will wear yourself out quickly. And guess what will show from that? Nothing. How many times in Christianity are we running a race, but we're running it with uncertainty? I mean, we're putting a lot of time, energy, and effort into it. For nothing. How many times are we fighting the air? For nothing. Go where you're called. Do what you're called. When you're called. How you're called. What is the course that God has set out for you? Run that course. Part of training is also, as it says here in verse 27, disciplining your body and bringing it into subjection. Okay, if I really want to be the athlete God has called me to be, that probably means I watch what I eat. It probably means I put the time and energy and effort into it. And when no one's around, I, I, I do this. It's a discipline. Guess what? The same thing happens spiritually. If I want to be the believer that God has called me to believe, there's going to be some self-discipline on my part. Now, not to the point of some type of legalism, but to this point of saying, okay, that action is going to hurt me spiritually. Why would I want to do that? It's going to hurt my wife. It's going to hurt my kids. Lord, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. (sighs) Easier said than done. That's part of the training process. It's saying, Lord, I am willing to let go of that. Because why? Verse 27, when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Listen, you don't want to be disqualified from the ministry of serving the Lord. We don't want, because we could not keep ourselves disciplined, to say, okay, I'm not qualified now. Now, that doesn't mean you're not of use to the Lord. It doesn't mean any of that. Don't let your mind wander there. We're talking about David. David, who committed adultery and had a man murdered and tried to cover it up, was still called a man after God's own heart. Abraham had this lying problem, and the Lord kept using him. Moses didn't know how to lead his family spiritually, and the Lord used him. Peter, oh, Peter was a mess. God used him. But I don't want to do anything purposely that disqualifies me from what the Lord wants to use me for. Lord, whatever you want to do, I want to discipline my body and bring you into subjection. So just like we ask the hard questions about being a soldier, let's talk now about athletics. Be honest with yourself. Is there something going on in your life spiritually that you're not disciplining? Is there something going on in your life right now that you're not bringing into subjection? We're never going to run the race then as efficiently or as effectively as we want. Be honest with yourself. Are you willing to train? Are you willing to put that effort into it? 
you're not willing to train to put the effort into it, you're never going to be able to run the race once again as efficiently or as effectively as you want. We want to be in the best spiritual shape we can be for the Lord, in the Lord, through the Lord. Not through our own might and power, but through Him. What about the last one? Farming. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. I like this one. book of James even adds some other good uh, points here about the farmer that I want to share. James 5, verse 7 says this, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until he receives the early and latter rains. The patient, hardworking farmer. The farmer gets the job done. Ball says, go home at four, you go home. Well, you know, if the field needs done, the farmer stays out there until it's done. That takes a lot of patience, too. What a system we have as a farmer. April, May, you start putting beans and corn in. And then you kind of wait. You don't get to reap the harvest until October or November. Or you're putting your winter wheat in in the fall. And then you've got to wait till June. You've got to have patience. You've got to trust the system. If you go put those beans or corn in in late April, early May, whatever, and you start going out in June, it's not time to harvest. There's nothing you can do. You have to be patient and wait. Your job is to plant. Your job is to harvest. God makes it grow. Remember what Paul wrote in Corinthians. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. As a farmer, that's what happens. We plant, we water, God makes it grow. And then when he says it's time to harvest, we harvest it. But it's patience. It's being willing to wait. I mean, if the farmer goes out and plants in April and May, and all of a sudden in July and August, he says, I'm done, I quit, I give up. This, this crop's never going to be ready. Should have endured just a little while longer to October, and he could have took the beans off. Or that farmer that plants his wheat in the fall, then all of a sudden March and April comes around, and he sees the wheat. Oh, it's not ready yet. I might as well just mow it down. I'll just give it a couple more months. How many times spiritually are we like the farmer? We plant, we water... And we wait. Some of you have been witnessing to somebody for years, if not decades. And you just keep faithfully planting and watering, waiting for the harvest. Amen. Some of you here, people planted and watered in your life for years. And they waited for the harvest. Amen. Farming is not a quick job. It takes months. Same thing sometimes spiritually. It takes a lot of time. So let's put this all together. As a soldier, are you willing to fight? In athletics, are you willing to train? And as the farmer, are you willing to work patiently as the Lord moves and works? I like what it says about the farmer here. This is from one of the commentaries I was reading. Unlike the soldier and the athlete, there's nothing glamorous about the work of a farmer. It is often tedious, boring, and unexciting. The nation's best farmer really isn't a celebrity but he must work hard just the same. A lot of truth to that spiritually. There may be things that you're doing behind the scenes that you're planting and watering and no one knows about. You're not the celebrity, and that's okay, because you're faithfully taking care of what God has given you to take care of. So, but what happens when we don't endure? Well, the soldier who stops fighting before the battle is finished will never see victory. The athlete who stops running before the race is over will never win the race. And the farmer who stops working before the harvest is complete will never see the fruit of the crops. I mean, can you imagine the soldier halfway through the battle just says to everybody, Hey, guys, I'm done. It, it, was, it was fun. It was good. I'm, I'm heading back now. No. Or, or the athlete, 50 yards from the finish line. I'm just, I'm just going to take a break. 
No, you finish the race. And so often what happens in Christianity, as soldiers, as soon as the battle gets intense, we want to retreat. As a Christian, sometimes with athletics, we see the finish line. Okay, Lord, I'm, I, I just can't anymore. God, I'm done. I've grown weary. I'm just going to quit the race. Or the farmer, so close to harvest time, and I, you know what? I've prayed enough. I've planted enough seeds. This, this is never going to change. It's never going to work out. I quit. That's why Paul says, endure. Endure. It's frustrating, though, isn't it? Jesus himself got frustrated. In the Gospels, there's this one time where Jesus raises his hands to the heaven and says, Oh, worthless and perverse generation, how much longer shall I bear with you? Jesus himself said, Oh, come on. This is getting old. And sometimes it's with the people you love the most. Christ is with his disciples, his close ones, and he was getting frustrated with them. Oh, boy, ministry can be frustrating. Yesterday, I was just really looking forward to sitting on the couch in the afternoon once I got all my work done and just watching football. A lot of good games on. I was just going to watch some football in the afternoon. So we finally sat down. I tried to be good dad. I got all my stuff done with church. I was all caught up on things. And went down and played some with the boys. It's like, okay, now we're going to just come sit. But wherever I go, I got these, these five little munchkins that just kind of follow me around no matter what I'm doing. So I sat down on the couch, and we're going to watch football. All righty, so we're watching football. Everybody's got an opinion on football. They don't know anything about football. They don't even know what's going on. Is this professional? No, this is college. What does that mean? How old are they? They're 18 to 22. Well, why don't they play professional? They can't. There's a rule. They have to wait till they're... Just, okay, just forget it. Guys, go find something to do. Okay, they go find something to do. The way our house is set up is the living room is in the middle of the house. One kitchen and one of the bedrooms is on one side, and the bedrooms and the bathrooms on the other side. Let's go do something. So they start walking back and forth. I started counting how many times they walked back and forth. I got up to seven times within a span of just a few minutes, and I said, guys. So they tried to be respectful. Now they start crawling across the floor, so they're not in front of the TV. I finally just threw my hands in the air. Oh, worthless and perverse generation. How much longer should I bear with you? I went to the bedroom and took a five-minute time out. I put myself in time out. It's frustrating. Life can be frustrating. Ministry can be frustrating. And sometimes, sometimes we don't want to fight. Lord, I don't want to be shot at today. I don't. I just, just uh, Lord, I don't want the fiery darts of the wicked one. I don't want that. I don't want to carry the shield of faith today. I don't want to carry the sword of the spirit. I just want to hide in the bunker all day, Lord. Or, Lord, I, I don't want to run the race today. I don't want to train. I don't want to discipline. I don't want to bring my body into subjection. I don't want to do that today, Lord. Lord, I don't want to plant or harvest today. I don't. See, and this is why Paul, speaking to Timothy, says you must endure. Because it is difficult. It is tough. And sometimes when the battle is going on, when we don't want to fight, we still say, okay, it's time to gird up. It's time to get out there, because this is what the Lord has called me to do. Sometimes in the middle of the race, when we want to quit, we say, nope, there's a finish line. And I know once I get to that finish line, I can say, just like Paul did, I have fought the good fight. I have run the race. I have kept the faith. Sometimes, like the farmer, I don't care about the crop anymore. Nope, no, I do care, Lord. I do care. I care for that harvest that has been prayed over and fasted over. I care for that harvest that's been just watered. And, Lord, I want to endure Remember what Paul said, do not grow weary while doing good, for in due season you shall reap if you do not lose heart. Boy, 
Our Lord, help us not to lose heart. Help us to endure bravely, calmly, make it through. Can you go with me real quick to Deuteronomy chapter 20? So what has God called you to do? What has God called you to do as a soldier? What has God called you to do as an athlete? What has God called you to do as a farmer? Deuteronomy chapter 20. Maybe you know the race that's been set out for you. You know, Hebrews 12, once again, makes that clear. There's a course set out for you. Maybe you don't want to run that course, though. What has God called you to do? You know, it's interesting. Here in Deuteronomy 20, you get this great pep talk. Oh, man, it's it's a good one. It's one of those, if you're going to make this like Hollywood, you would dim the lights, you would play the intense music in the background, you'd have good camera lighting, and you'd have this guy get up and give this speech. Because listen to this speech right here in Deuteronomy 20, verse 1. When you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. So it shall be when you are on the verge of battle, that the priest shall approach and speak to the people. And he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid. And do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against the enemies to save you. See, God does the fighting. I love that. God does the fighting. And he's not going to put me in a race that I can't win. Whatever race he puts me in, he's going to give me the Holy Spirit to give me the power and the strength to do that. He's not going to put me in a battle unless he's given me the armor to win that battle through the Spirit. And if he's called me to go plant and harvest, then he's going to make it grow. I just get to be the hardworking, patient farmer. And see, and this is what Paul is trying to tell Timothy here. Paul, his final letter, his final words of his life, he's telling Timothy, endure, stay strong. Don't give up. This is going to be difficult, Timothy. But just like the soldier, just like the athlete, and just like the farmer, stay focused and stay strong. And what an encouragement that is for us today. Let's pray this into our lives. Lord, as we just come to you now, I pray that we could endure in you. That we would run the race that you have set before us. That we would fight the battles that you've called us to fight through you. And Lord, that we would be patient and hardworking and wait for the harvest. And we would just plant and water as you have called. Lord, if there's someone here today that is struggling. As it said in Deuteronomy 20, they're, they're getting ready to faint. They're afraid. They're trembling. They're terrified. Remind them that you are with them. And that you have called them and you have blessed them. And we say thank you, Lord. And we thank you so much for what you've done and what you're doing. And in the name of Jesus, we lift this up. In your name we pray. Amen. What I want to close with is this. And uh, Rachel, if you want to go up uh, for the final song. Um, at the first service, I kind of closed with, you know, if anybody had anything they want to pray about, just come back to the back and they can, we can pray. What I want to do here at the 10 o'clock, and we haven't done this a while on a Sunday. We do this on Wednesday nights. But once Rachel's done with the final song here, we're just going to have a time of prayer up here. And if you've got something that you want to pray over, maybe you need strength to be the soldier or the athlete or the farmer that God has called you to be, we as a body of Christ just want to pray for you. Now, if you've got stuff going on, go ahead. You know, Feel free to go. Uh, you've got kids to pick up, etc. But if you've got something that you just want to pray over, just come up here at the end of the service once I'm done praying. We're just going to circle up. We're just going to pray for each other, that we can just encourage each other and uplift each other. So Rich will be up here. I'll be up here. 
We'll just be praying for you guys. And we'll all just circle up and do that. So let's just be blessed as we just listen to the final song here. And then we'll close out with a word of prayer.